deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. All right, so today we've got one of my mentors. Um, yeah. I know Melty looks up to him pretty well as well. Big Jason Phillips, yes. um, world-renowned nutrition coach. How are you, Big Jace? Uh, I feel like little might be uh, a <laughs> little adjective to describe me in, in your presence. Ace um, is No, nah, man, I'll, uh, I'll take that. But, dude, it's uh, – man, first of all, it's, it's an honor to be here. Like, I, uh, I'm so glad that you guys reached out and that we're connecting, and I, I believe this is your first episode, Yeah. Uh, first interview, interview, first guest. So I'm uh, I'm honored by that, man. And, and props to you guys just for jumping in and doing it because obviously you guys got a lot of knowledge to share with the world. And uh, I'm all about people putting out really good stuff, man. So I, I genuinely appreciate the time. Thanks, yeah, mate. Really appreciate it. Awesome, bro. Pumped to have you on, like I said. So, um, so obviously you're a nutrition coach, um, work with a lot of athletes, a uh, bit of general pop in that as well. Um, how did you initially get into the nutrition coaching side of things? Yeah, I have like the like the most ass backward story for any nutrition coach that's out there. And you know, I think a lot of people they they talk about like passion through sport and through this and that. And like, I'll I'll say I was an athlete, like I was a golfer, so that's a really like loose term. Um, but I was probably like the laziest athlete of all time. Like I did the bare minimum when it came to like working out and like fitness, and I definitely never had any amount of control over my nutrition. Um, it was, you know, it was, it was pretty shit to be honest. Uh, and then I was, I was injured. So right after high school, I went to college and right before we started my freshman year, uh, I found myself with a torn labrum and it was in that rehab setting. It was really the first time I'd ever stepped foot in the gym. Like, like I said, I was lazy as hell. I didn't care about weights. And so I was in the gym and just doing the rehab and like, like the little bit of like breathing that I had to do at that point. Like I actually started to notice a positive change in my body and I was enjoying it. Um, and you know, around that same time I had some modeling opportunities and it was like, you know, I remember vividly, like the modeling recruiter said to me, she's like, you know, Hey, when you send me your pictures, make sure you send me your apps. I mean, dude, <laughs> 2002, like I'm a okay. golfer. I didn't have like, you know, I didn't have any sense of diet. So I'm literally like in this position where I couldn't, I couldn't figure out like, what I'm supposed to do. How do I get abs? And I started asking like everybody, asking the trainers, asking my friends. And it was finally like one of my doctors that said like, just read all the magazines and read the nutrition stuff. Cause it's all what you eat. Yeah. Um, and so I, I did that and you know, I'm, I'm very coachable. And so I started reading this and it's like, don't eat this, don't eat that, don't eat this, don't eat that. And like never telling me what to eat, but always saying like what I couldn't eat. So before I knew it, I literally wasn't eating and I developed a full blown eating disorder, anorexia, um, 118 pounds. So, you know, wow. to put that in perspective, I, I mean, what is that? Like 45, maybe? 45, 45 kilos, 55 kilos. Yeah. yeah like 55 kilos, maybe it's absurd. Yeah. Right. How tall so, you? 55. Five, 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 yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, so we'd look pretty that, sick. That was actually the beginning. <laughs> and yeah. so it was, it was overcoming that, that I found my real passion, which was you can change your life through health and fitness, through nutrition. And because it was such a profound thing for me, I wanted to pay that forward. Um, you know, I just recently started like admitting to the story that inside of anorexia, I also contemplated suicide. 
Um, and so it literally was nearly the end of my life. Um, and, and so like learning how to eat properly learning how to overcome that, it actually helped me it actually helped save my life. Um, and so from saving my life, uh, to paying it forward, man, that's what brings us to today. Can I, I know it's probably a tough subject, but you know, you hit rock bottom. I feel sometimes in life and you, some people hover at the bottom point, like I'm, I'm like, you'd be alone, you're alive. Then is it the finding moment and you go enough's enough. You know, I'm not going to, you know, take my life. Um, but what was that point? Like, I'm going to get better. What gave you a little spark? You know, motivation is a quick thing, but what gave you inspiration and motive mm-hmm. to continue and go, look, I'm going to fucking make myself better. Um, that's it. What's that, that point? Do you remember that point in your life you're like? To be fair, like it, and I can only speak on my own journey, right? I, I yeah. can't speak for other people with eating disorders. And I don't want to pretend to because yeah. that's not the rabbit hole I've gone down, right? Like I, I, I'm one person and yeah. I do fundamentally believe that it gave me the mindset to connect with other people. And I think that's why I'm such a good coach. Um, but I can only speak to like my own experience and inside of my own experience, I always wanted to be better. Right. So, you know, when I was anorexic, I was opening up gold's gym. I was working like the 5am shift and I would do nothing but like read muscle magazines, like Ironman, muscle mag, flex, muscle and fitness, like name it. I was like, I was like, God, I want to look like those guys. And you know, like it was always a desire. Like I didn't want to be skinny. And and if I had to guess, like most anorexics don't want to be like paper thin. They just have this like skewed vision of themselves. They're still fat. Right. And so like sitting on my floor contemplating suicide, I don't know why I didn't pull the trigger. Like I really don't. Um, clearly like, like looking back on it now, maybe it was a cry for attention. I don't know. Like there's a lot that I would probably still have to decipher. Um, but I can tell you that like the desire to be better was always there. And so what ultimately pulled me out was an opportunity to get better. Um, and one of the trainers at the gym actually said to me, she, she noticed what I was doing to myself. And there was this uh, bodybuilder that would come in every day and I would be like, God, I want to look like that. You know, like he was dieting for a competition to shredded, he was full. And I'm like, I want to look like that dude. And she was like, well, I trained him. And, and I do his diet. And, and I was like, well, fuck, can you do it for me? And she's like, yeah, absolutely. And uh, so like right then and there, I had hope, right? Like I had hope that it was possible. And mind you, she was lying to me, right? Which is the craziest part of all this. But she knew that some, some intervention had to happen. It was that or I was going to a fucking clinic, yeah. right? One of the two. Mm-hmm. And um, so she lied to me and, and I said, okay, well, what do I do? And she said, well, go home and eat 4,000 calories a day. And, and so like, mind you, dude, this is 2002, 2003. I, I went home. There was no MyFitnessPal. I bought a book, a calorie counting book, and I made my own meal plans. And I started the next day. Like I went from like 500 calories to 4,000 calories, like overnight. The worst way you can possibly go about. Bad hope, right? More than anything, yeah. I had fucking yeah, hope. Understand? From like a mindset perspective, that was all I fucking needed. Yeah. And uh, you know, the rest, the rest is history. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome, mate. Yeah. It's amazing, man. Credit to you, bro. Real credit to you. I, I appreciate it. And I mean, I, I would love to like, I say that as like, you know, I bridged the gap from like that moment to like, here we are today where, you know, I own this company that's helped tens of thousands of people. Like clearly there's a lot more steps in there, but I, I make that statement because anybody that's anyone that's in a shit place right now, period. Like, you know, here we are. It's, well, it's Monday for you guys, right? But it's still Sunday, April 14th here. Mm-hmm. And Tiger Woods won the masters today. Mate, you know, oh, in, in, like, in the worst fucking place of your life, 
you yeah. still have hope, right? Yeah. You have something that can pull you out. Yeah, there's always light at the end of tunnel. So I've got to tell you something too. I messaged you late September after listening to your Clarity, your Clarity uh, podcast. Yeah. Podcast, I was actually, I was a cafe owner at that time. I pulled over and I sat in my cafe listening to that and you're like, you know, people want this big business, big that, they realise that you never wanted that at the beginning with, you know, that that key moment. And to be honest, I even messaged you when I said that. I was yeah, like, yeah, and 100%, funny. I was like, for fucking four years, I stopped, stopped doing something I loved out of fear most likely to chase, to chase success, which I didn't really want, you know, which I, you know, I wanted maybe want success, but you don't, you don't want it the right way. You know, you want the significance that comes with success. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. And but Tiger Woods just run that these other tournament. It wasn't a major. It was the one before. It was his last tournament he won. He won and the he won the tour championship last year. Tour championship. It's late September, and you actually said like he could retire. He's got millions of dollars. There's something he wants to achieve. And yeah. today he's won the tournament. Yeah. Talking to you, it's pretty good time. It's just yeah, dude. How about that fucking time? Yeah. <laughs> You know, as somebody who's gotten to speak to him and, like, you know, I was around him for, like, a little bit and just knowing, like, I've been very blessed, man, to be around some top performers. And and I know some really high performers in life right now that, you know, on the same scale, like, they're not as famous as Tiger Woods, but, like, it it's that same thing that makes you tick, man. And, like, even in my own company, you know, this last year I had the opportunity to probably make way more money than we ever made. But I chose not to take a lot of the things because it it didn't align with who I am and what I fundamentally want. And like anything that removes me from a position to genuinely touch people, to actually go out and create the impact and like help them in their life, I want nothing to do with it. That's all I want to fucking do. And like, you know, in our business, I've had to evolve. And so, you know, we have a lot of nutrition coaches that work for me and, and I'm now fortunate to help a lot of businesses grow because I've created success in the business side. But I look at that and I'm like, okay, if I can build your business to a million dollars, then that means you're impacting probably 10,000 lives. Yeah. And I'm okay with that. Right. And, and I have to look at this and I've, I've recently gone on record saying I have like this billion person mission, right? I want to help 1 million people help 1000 people. And if at the end of my life, if my courses and my, um, you know, my literature and everything I put out touches 1 million people and they pay it forward to 1,000 people. Dude, like we've touched a billion fucking people and and that's like, that's impact to me. Yeah, 100%. Mm, that's massive. Mm. Work, just touching on the work in the top performers, I've always said like guys like Michael Phelps, um, Fedra, uh, Novak, like what makes those guys tick? Because I always, always said my clients is, you know, you're saying bold, like these guys are fucking quick. Like they, they're all training super hard. Like to be that much better, like they're so much the same, but constantly winning gold medals. What, what have you found that's made these guys tick? Like I know Tim, S, Tim Grover, um, the book Relentless, um, he spoke a lot about Jordan and those guys. But what have you found working with elite athletes? What makes them tick? What makes them feel? So I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to draw a parallel that I think Tim Grover missed mm. and that I think everybody's missing. And, and I think that a lot of people can learn from this, right, and take it away and say, okay, I can do the exact same shit. And I think it's the single biggest paralysis everybody has because I'm like, I'll give you two really good examples in the PGA Tour world because I spent five years working with PGA Tour guys after my like golf time. And I literally built one kid 
from scratch. He had never won a pro tournament in his life. We worked together the first year. He won 12 times on the mini tours. And then he, two years later, he went on and he won his first PGA Tour event, right? And then I've also worked with Dustin Johnson, the number one player in the world. And, and like two completely different specimens. Yeah. Dustin is the most naturally gifted person I've ever met in my life. Um, and then Johnny was the least gifted person, but the hardest worker I've ever met in my life. Yeah. And I think everyone thinks that Dustin has this X factor that no one else has. First of all, he's naturally gifted. Like we have to give him that. Some people are just born with it. Yeah. Right. But the one thing that every high performer has is they give zero fucks what anyone else thinks. Yeah. And they are 100% all in on themselves. They are aware of their positives. They're also aware of their negatives and they put their head down and they do the work because they're supposed to do the work. That's it. They're not looking for anyone to pat them on the ass and say, good job. They're not looking for anybody to tell them what to do. They are literally doing what they want to fucking do every minute of every day. And B-level athletes, because I've seen the minor league athletes, they're looking around them to the people around them asking, well, what should I be doing? Oh, was that okay? Oh, look, I made a million dollars. Don't you want to suck my dick now? Like, <laughs> no. Like, at the end of the day, you got to fucking do it for you. That's like, that's literally what separates high performers. And, and if, you know, when Tim Grover talks about Michael and his like relentless work, and, and there's a phenomenal story of Kobe Bryant uh, with Jay Williams, right? And Jay Williams walks in the gym three hours before a pro basketball game. Yeah. yeah. Kobe Bryant's already warming up, right? And, and then after the game, Jay walks back in the gym and Kobe's still there. And literally Kobe doesn't leave until Jay leaves. Yeah. And, and Kobe, and someone said to Kobe, like, what were you doing? And he's like, nothing. He goes, but I knew you were coming and I was proving a point that I will outwork you. He yeah. wasn't doing that for like public notoriety. And he didn't give a fuck that the media even knew. Mental. It was literally about like him. And like, I have this thing inside of me that says I am the best. The end. And every person in life, like that is not where they want to be right now. They need to look at themselves and understand where they're fucking that up. Yeah. Even nutritionally, dude, like you guys work with people, you go out with your friends and you're like, Oh, my friends are having a beer and I couldn't have a beer. Why? Because you're afraid what your friends are going to think. Fuck your friends. Like they're not like paying your bills. They're not living your life for you. Like I get having friends and having a social life. Absolutely. You should have balance because if you don't, you won't be successful, yeah. but you got to stop caring what the fuck they think. They were never your friends. If they're judging you for having a beer. Yeah. hundred percent. I see you, you take um, Andy Fazella's stuff, the first form stuff. Yeah. stuff. See, I just started saying for hard 30 days ago. So it's really funny. So you got to fill me in on what the, like, I'm sponsored with first form. And I, so I should oh, know that, man. but I'm, I had, yeah. I had Jared Bond, their athlete manager in, in town like three weeks ago. And I love Jared to death. And he was telling me a little bit about it. Is it Sean? I think Sean. Uh, Jared Bond is there. Like, so he's kind of like the, I don't want to, uh, this sounds douchey to say like, he's like their VIP athlete manager. So I'm yeah. like, I'm fortunate to be, yeah, mate. Uh, maybe like one of their VIPs, but I think it's only I, I think I'm it's only because I own or own two companies. Yeah, yeah. I love that you're sponsored by them, man. Because I, I love Andy. I fucking love him. Like the thing is, he's, he's intelligent. He's not the most you hear him speak, and you think, oh, he's just a hard worker. He wanted that thing, and he works so fucking hard. And that's the thing. Um, but so five hard, mate. So it's five day task you do. It's take a picture daily. 
a gallon of water, which is 3.7 litres, I think. Um, you'll work out twice a day. One could be a 45-minute walk. Um, no cheat meals whatsoever. Um, and you're able to read 10 pages of a book. And I was up to day 30, day 30, and I literally got up at four in the morning, cooked more meals, and I fell asleep at night before reading my book and I have to go start again. <laughs> oh, so, no. Yeah, I know. But you know what? The thing is, mate, you know what? I was, I was in actually in the car after the fitness expo. I was like, hey, boys, I started the thing eight o'clock in the morning, during my read, get up super early, can catch the book before uh, the day starts. I was like, Make, I'm making excuses. These are the small things I did my whole life. They're just trying to, you know, they've not served me right. So just to start again, mate. Right, that's the thing. Well, there's always an excuse, right? Yeah. Like, and, and honestly, finding the excuse is way easier than finding the reason. Yeah, and so many people struggle to find the reason. I, like, I've I've been very fortunate. I had dinner with Andy and Gary, uh, Andy Priscilla and Gary Vaynerchuk one time, and uh, <laughs> but I'll tell you, right? Like, this is the kind of person both of them are. I paid a lot of money to be at that dinner, and we were supposed to go from like 7.30 PM to like 9 PM, bro. We went to 2.30 in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like he had, he had one of his employees drive me home in like the first form semi truck, like back to my hotel. Like Mm. it just, that's the kind of person he is. Like he, he's got, and the kind of people that work for him that look up to him, he's got literally employees waiting around until 2.30 in the morning to make sure that he's okay. Like, That's that's the culture that guy's building. Like, what the fuck does that tell you? Like that tells you everything. Respect. And, it's respect. Yeah, like that's it, dude. And and it's it's earned, not given. People didn't just come in there trying to suck Andy's dick. Like they came in there because he earned their respect from him. And you know, I like I have more I have so much more respect for that than mm. anything else he's produced. Like the millions of dollars are dope. And I love the cars because I'm a car guy, but like I have more respect for just the atmosphere that he's built and the tribe he's built behind him than I do anything else. Yeah. So it's what people will say about you, you know, when you're, when you're out of the room, it's what you want to be known for. You know, that's the biggest thing, I think. Yeah. And that's um, that's where I've been, been honest, man, Luke, I've kind of thought, like, we've done a few 360s life in this business and we've yeah. gone, like, we've just got to be ourselves and break through the bullshit um and you know just be real but it's mate it's very it's very daunting being in a position now how you see where social media is i feel um and the industry at the moment it's um it's backwards mate like i was just like i touched by the fitness expert i was like i said to luke i was super excited to be there i was helping my friend out with a stand um i was like after i was like mate i was i I feel sick after three days of seeing just chicks with great asses to be honest in booty shorts that probably don't know what a squat is. And I'm like, you're getting paid hundreds of thousands of dollars, probably. Just to grab a band. To, to grab a band. I'm like, how does, how does this work? But I think it's a fine line sometimes being envious and being jealous and wanting to, you know, to make your own way in the industry. But Well, it's like that insta fame, right? And it goes back to what I said, like, you know, when you were talking about success and like not being authentic inside of, achieving success it's like people want the significance that they believe comes with success they don't really want the success and like let me tell you success only breeds problems like i I said this recently on one of our podcasts and and i said the more success you have the more problems you start finding right like the higher and higher levels i can tell you now like five years into business and multiple seven figures into business like we're identifying shit that like we didn't even know existed in our own business because we're getting so much bigger Mm -hmm. right? It just brings more fucking headaches, but I love that shit. 
Like, I fundamentally want more of that. I don't give a fuck if you know who I am. Like, I love the fact that I can get on a fucking airplane, shut my eyes, put my AirPods in, and nobody knows who the fuck I am, what I do or don't have. Like, that's dope. Because there's tens of thousands of people out there that whose lives are better because of what we're doing. And yeah. that's what it's about. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. And that's what we're sort of talking about today. I was sort of fired up last night when I was messing with you. I was yeah. like, I was, I, was, I was very angry. I was like, mate, upset. I said, I don't want fucking this validation with a 20% coupon code. They can fucking have it, mate. You know, yeah. that's because they're, they're, they're earning for they're, they're building validation. I'd rather have a platform and help people for free and knowingly done, done the right way. Uh, and, and to be fair, like I can tell you, I mean, this is the first time we've ever conversed. Like, so the people don't think this is some like rehearsed bullshit. Like, this is yeah, literally yeah. the first time we've ever talked live. Yeah. And I can tell you, just in the ten minutes, twenty minutes we've been talking, like you'll be successful because of that, right? Like, I I told a story. I did a seminar yesterday. Uh, I'm in Houston, Texas, right? And I did a seminar yesterday morning, and I told people like, at the end of the day, I had nothing else. Five years ago, I was piss poor broke. Like when I started my business, I was overdrawn on my bank account. I couldn't even afford the cup of Starbucks that oh, you're yeah, holding. Yeah, it bounced. I remember that. Right? Story, yeah. Yeah. I was overdrawn on my bank account. And I had nothing a, a, a holiday or something, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. I was on a holiday. I couldn't yeah. even afford the hotel. I couldn't afford Thanksgiving dinner. I couldn't do anything. Yeah. And yeah. so, you know, I literally at that moment, I went home and it was like, great. Most people would get a job. I said, fuck that. I'm going to go do what I want to do. And, I, and that, that's help people. Yeah. And if I get paid for helping people, that's dope. But otherwise, like I'm at such a low point in my life, at least I can make sure nobody else experiences the low that I'm experiencing now. And it's that was ultimately what got me out of it. Yeah, 100%, mm-hmm. mate. It's emptiness, mate. Like that's the thing that's like when you, it's like you're sort of chasing, like, you know, like oh, I can only draw from my own experience, you know, with, with hospitality. I sort of had cafes, got another cafe, and I had like eventually I was like, I had like, I ended up with four cafes, and I was, and you, you know, yeah. but I was busted, mate. I was, like, I was dead inside. I was fucking different. dead. It was a different person. I was For just, sure. I got goosebumps yeah. saying it. I was just dead. I was like, mate, you know, this is not what, this is not what I want. This is not exactly what I want. Like, and it's like if you can't do something for the right reasons, it's fucking Don't do wrong. It it's wrong. fucking wrong, mate. But and you know how many people are going to listen to that statement and they're going to agree with it, and then they're going to act completely differently, yeah. right? And yeah. that's the fucked up part because. I think fundamentally there's enough awareness in our world to understand that what you just said is 100% true, but there's equal amounts of pressure in our society and in our world that says you can't live like that. That says you have to live up to other people's expectations because of society, like, you know, financial reasons or because the world just doesn't work that way. And it's, and, and you know what? They're right. The world doesn't work that way right now. But I think if enough of us come together and we become this catalyst for change, the world can work that way in 10 to 15 years. Yeah. And like, fucking A, like if we look at the world in 15 years from now, we're like, hey, we started that movement. How yeah. amazing is that? Yeah, yeah, 100%, mate. And it's like they say, oh, you spend your whole 20s worrying about what people think of you, your 30s to realize you don't care anymore, and your 40s realize they never cared about you in the first place. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Never heard that, but that's really good. Like, you know that's I mean? the truth. It's the truth, mate, because like it's a spotlight effect. I can tell you it's true. The spotlight effect. You know, everyone's you think you can't remember the stupid thing you saw on Facebook yesterday, but you think everyone's gonna be judged you for going out there and spreading your message because everyone's got their own fucking issues, mate. Yeah. The first time I talked in front of a big crowd, I was scared shitless. And then I literally had to realize like, 
Who cares? Like these are people that have never met me and they'll probably never see me again. It's all good. And now, now like openly and honestly, I continue to say, I want to be on Grant Cardone's stage. I want to be on next year. I want to call 80,000 people. And you love Bedros too. So I started listening to Bedros to body boot camps and started doing stuff. I wish his podcasts were longer. I wish he had a bit, had a bit more longer podcasts. But how is his expos? Did you like yeah, – not the expos, sorry, um, the, the seminars and stuff he's done before? I, I spoke at Fitness Business Summit last year, and that was like that was the biggest stage I've ever been on. I think there was like three, 4,000 people there. Um, and it was great. Like I – you know, like – Anybody that's seen me speak, I, I, it was funny because I had slides for the first time in my life and I didn't know I was going to have to have slides. So I got there on Friday and like their event manager was like, Hey, I don't have your slides. And I'm like, yeah, I don't use slides. And they're like, no, like you don't understand. It's really important that like we have something visual. And I'm like, fuck. So literally like the night before I'm sitting in my hotel room at like 1030 and I'm writing stupid ass slides. I'm like, I'm not even going to say this, but okay, I'll write it. And like, I wrote it and like, they're playing slides for me in the background. And so I came off the stage and like this woman was like, Oh my God, like Billy Jean was there. Right. You guys know Billy Jean YouTube ads. Yeah. Right. So Billy Jean's there. And first of all, gave me like a big hug. He's like, bro, you just crushed that. That was cool because he's somebody I look up to. And then like, we went out in the hallway and this woman's like, Oh my God, like you killed it. People loved you. How long did it take you to prepare that? And I was like, I didn't prepare shit. <laughs> I'm like, I sent you guys some fake ass slides and like i just came outside i'm like that's like you got to be so authentic and you got to be ready to deliver a message like your way like the end you know i don't think that you guys came into this podcast or into like the podcast world with any expectations and i i love that i think that you guys are doing it your way and and as long as you continue to do it your way you'll find success i think so many people are trying to like pigeonhole themselves into some pre-templated bullshit that society has put out and i i disagree yeah. yeah, which yeah. is kind of where we've gone with the yeah. whole online thing. We we eventually, like, we started out basically exactly what you were just saying and then we kind of fell into that trap of trying to chase, not chase, but we were like, we're just going to train just women for 12-week yeah, challenges. And I was like, you know what? But that's not us. Yeah, it was like, 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 it's a ceiling of passion. to make money, but long-term, the ceiling for us is like, wait, we want to train that. We want to train. People just, just want to work hard and be consistent and yeah. know that they have to put yeah. the effort. Whether it's a mother or father or kids or anyone, we just want to know you want to bust yourself and work hard. That's who we want to train. We want to attract those people to the tribe. And, uh, man, that's why I think me and Luke have come towards you. Luke told me, listen to this guy. I was like, fuck. So I went back through a lot of the episodes. I was like, but like I said, your clarity one. Train my life, mate. Again, yeah. through your phone. It was on Friday night. I was like, I should have teared my cafe, mate. I swear to God. I did. Yeah. And I was like, that's it. I'm fucking done. I'm dropping everything. Um, because, you know. You guys heard the story? Okay, so you're the second person that I got to quit their job. <laughs> did you hear the story about the waiter that quit their job while I was there? No, yeah. I haven't heard that one. Oh, bro, I got to tell you this. So I don't think I've ever told this story publicly. So it's first on your podcast. So, um I hosted an event. subscribers, watch out, that kid's coming out. <laughs> <laughs> I have to go to Instagram story and be like, guys, I finally told the Vegas story. Go to this yeah, podcast. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, no, like we, I hosted an event in Vegas last summer. So what, summer 2018. And I've, I go to Vegas a lot. Um, and I always eat at Mastro's. Like you guys probably heard me talk about butter cake and all this shit, right? It's like a yeah. running joke with our team. And so I always eat there. And the same guy has waited on me for almost four years, right? His name's Tony Bonnier, amazing dude. Shout out to Tony. Really, really good dude. Always takes the best care of me. Um, they can be completely booked out and they'll get me a table. Like just good service, right? 
And yep. so I had 60 people in attendance. We rented out the whole upstairs and he comes up to me and he's like, bro, you got to give a speech to your room. And I was like, all right, I'll give a speech. And uh, so I grab my drink, I stand up and I give this speech probably five minutes and uh, I sit back down and he comes up to me and he gives me like the biggest hug. And he's like, dude, you just inspired the shit out of me. And I was like, oh, like, that's super nice of you. Like, I appreciate that. And he's like, no, you don't get it. I'm going to quit my job right now. (laughs) What? And he was like, yeah, you're the last table I'm ever going to wait on. And I was like, okay, I thought he was just fucking with me. And I was like, okay, whatever. And he's like, no, like when you're done, you and I are going to the front of the room. We're taking a shot. I'm taking my bow tie off and I'm out. And (laughs) sure as shit, dude, two hours later, he comes and he gets me. We go to the front of the room. We take a shot. He gives a speech and he dropped his bow tie and like was out. And it's like a legendary, it's like a legendary story of Vegas now, like in the hospitality side, because he just now, but here's the thing. He went all in on his passion, which was real estate. And then that very year, like last year, 2018, he only had half the year to work with. He became rookie of the year for one of the biggest companies here. And this year he's like already inside their top 10 performers of the whole company worldwide. Right. Because he just went to his passion. Like he, he dropped the safety net. And, dude, it always pays off. Yeah, fuck it. That's not impacting what he is. Oh, mate, 100%. No, mate. <laughs> crazy. It's so true, though. People say passion can't get you places, but, man, you oh, it gets it everywhere. It gets passion you. gets you everywhere. Like, I, I don't know who's saying that, but whoever's saying it is wrong. Like, yeah. I will tell you 1 million percent because, listen, if you're not I, – I can tell you this. Like, I, I sat in a room today, and I was like – just thinking like, what can we do to add more value? What can we do to add more value? And like, I have a list of probably like 50 things that it's like, this is what we can do better. Uh, man, like a lot of people are killed to be in the position that I've built for myself, you know, where I'm yeah. financially, I'm successful. You know, we touch a lot of people. Um, and, and yet I'm always just trying to create more impact. I'm not, I don't look at my business. Like how can I make more money? That's the biggest thing people need to understand. I'd never look at any business I've advised and, and last year in 2018, I built two seven figure earners and like, I think 16 six figure earners this year. I'm on my pace to almost 25 or 30 six figure earners. And I'll probably have four or five millionaires this year. Um, I don't ever look at a business from how do we make more money? I look at a business from how do we build more impact? And that's why I have walked into that space and completely flipped it upside down. And that's why I'm getting more results from people faster than any of the other gurus. Yeah. 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 100% man. That's but you gotta, you gotta be able to do that for yourself too. Right. Like I, I think that a lot of us, we sit here and we have this conversation and people that are listening, they're like, okay, how do I deliver that value to other people in my life? Like look yourself in the mirror. Are you adding value to yourself every day? Are you actually fundamentally waking up and being the best version of yourself for you? Not for the judgment of others, not for the praise of others, but because at the end of the night, when you put your head on the pillow and there's no one else around because you're happy with yourself. Yeah. And in this moment right now, there's people that are like, fuck. No. no yeah. My that's yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. 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 Well, mate, that's exactly why I started that same five hard challenge. Like it's just constant discipline, you know, the small little things, you know, which make me made better. And I was like, fuck, mate. Well, like, mate, I feel, I've told Luke I feel on fucking fire. I feel on mate. I feel yeah. amazing. So how's this like this? You will, dude. I um I live like, so recently with IN3, like we built this thing called the three-dimensional model. And so I say, I built three-dimensional humans. And, and so a lot of people look at me as like a nutrition coach or a business coach, but yeah. I fundamentally believe you're not successful unless you're complete in all three dimensions, which is frame, family, and finance. 
your frame being like your physicality and your physiology, your family being like your relationships, your significant other and your interpersonal connections, friendships, and then your finance, obviously your ability to make money, grow money, and keep money. Right. And so when you can actually do all three of those things and you're maximizing all three dimensions every day, then you're complete. But then there's like, like you guys said, you go to the fucking expo and you see a bunch of chicks with great asses, like walking around in very little clothing, but all they're focusing on is the frame, right? Their, their physicality so that they're getting this external praise. But what lacks in their life is authentic connection, right? If you ask them about the, their relationships and their friendships, they would tell you they're very surface level. If you ask them about their finance, it's very unstable, right? And so they're very one dimensional human beings. Yes, they look great. Yes, they are great to look at, but they are not complete humans. Whereas I take guys like yourselves, you're both in extremely good shape. Your interpersonal connections, clearly you guys have a friendship. Your interpersonal connections are strong and your finance is growing. I would argue you guys are way more complete than any of these quote unquote influencers that are claiming to have it all together. So it's about life lived across three dimensions. And what you're talking about, the 75 hard, there's habits and disciplines that go into being a three-dimensional human, um, which I have a three-dimensional model that I work on like with my clients, right? Where there's things that I expect them to do every single day. Yeah. Yeah, 100%, man. Yeah. You'll be good to yourself first, don't you really? You know, that's you, how fucked up is it that if people heard us talk right now, like that line, right? They'd be like, what a selfish dick. Yet yeah. at the end of the day. <laughs> you've, you've, you've got to treat yourself like your pet dog. How do you treat your dog? How do you treat your, like, they, I look how I can treat your animals and your pets and stuff, your bunny rabbit. I can tell you something, mate. I went to Kmart 11 o'clock at night to make sure my dog had a bed. <laughs> like, I was like, fuck. But if it were you, you'd sleep on the floor. Yeah, I would, mate. <laughs> I would. I used to sleep, yeah, I used to, I'd sleep anywhere sometimes. But that's how we treat ourselves. Like, yeah. so I, it's this, it's this uh, I call it selfless selfishness. selfishness. I think that you, you have to become selfish to be selfless. Yeah. Right. You can't, like they always say you can't pour from an empty cup, but you can't give to anybody if you're not whole, if you're broken, you can't give of yourself. And so you, like you are the person I I always say, people don't have a dietary problem. They don't have a business problem. They don't have a relationship problem. They have a you problem. problem. They're fucked up. And until you become better, nothing becomes better. Yeah. hundred percent, man. Yeah. Mate, you know what? Like, um, this has been sort of so much of a chat up my alley. You know, like yeah, this is this is season. I like say, I love, look, I love nutrition, look, mate. I love food, love nutrition. Fully believe in it. That's probably more my thing. <laughs> yeah, that's like I love all that. But like, just yeah, we're just gonna touch on some stuff now. You like, oh, like yeah, I so much more believe in your ability to like your mental ability. Like, even if, if you're stressed and you don't feel good, mate, you can't absorb food. You feel fucked. You know, like, yeah. you like your stress levels, you don't feel good. Mate. So I believe. Well, I, I think stress, stress and recovery are the fundamentals of nutrition. Yeah, and, and emotional, emotional, emotional health is huge for us. You know, that's, that's one of the biggest things I, I've really I think, I think actually, and, you know, transitioning like, like Luke, like, you know, on the training and nutrition side, like, you know, when we look at, I think so many people try to look at this like distress or this emotional stress as not part of physical change. And I would argue it to be completely opposite. I would say most people have far too many stressors, sympathetic stressors in their life. And so then training and nutrition just tack on to that, right? Like you're creating an abundance of stress in the gym, you're overtraining, you're not eating enough calories. That's another sympathetic stressor that you're under recovering and so you've never even given your body the ability to facilitate recovery on the front end and and that is through emotional stress so there's there's impact at every level 
Yeah, yeah. yeah. Not many people tapping into that parasympathetic, are they? I think if if there was two things that I could get anyone to do, the first one would be to sleep more, and the second would be like one to two parasympathetic activities per day. Like I think that would solve so many problems. Meditating, like that kind of stuff. Meditation, meditating, fucking active relaxation, um, like floating, body work, uh, you know, box breathing, like anything, just where you're actively controlling your nervous system. Like we wake up and we are a product of our environment. We don't control our environments. 90% of people, right? We wake up and, and we are run by our day. We don't run our day. Yeah. And, and when you're running on someone else or something else's time clock, you're just like, you're constantly on alert, right? You're in that fight or flight. You're in that sympathetic state. Whereas if you can take a moment and you can breathe intentionally for 20 minutes, and bring you back to that parasympathetic state, you're instantly becoming better. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's true. I mean, yeah. it's just the smaller things, I guess, you know, even waking up to, like, I, I think I did a video on this on my YouTube channel a little while ago, but um, not that's big or anything, but basically saying, like, just the smallest little things of changing your alarm tone, you know, because your body becomes that fight or flight to that alarm tone, knowing that you, you have to wake up. Yeah. You know, small as well, you know, yeah. changing that every couple of weeks, how that can make a difference yeah. to those stress levels. And just understanding that, like, and this goes back to the previous conversation, you're always in control. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're never lacking control. The only time you're lacking control is if you intentionally give away control. Yeah. Right? We're, we're, we never lack control. And I think that's the most, one of the most misunderstood, misunderstood things of humans. We think that we're out of control. And that's complete bullshit. We're always in control. There may be consequences that we live by if we choose to exert our control improperly, but we're always in control. And so many people don't want to acknowledge that. And and that just causes more sympathetic stress. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and from running from that, I was going to ask you, I mean, like probably touching on there, but like when it comes to stress, how much do you think that has an impact as how much people can actually eat because of the digestive issues and things like that. Um, I think they, I think they can physically eat as much as they want, but I think now you're talking about absorption and actually utilizing X amount of macros, right. Or micros for that matter. Uh, You know, empirically I have a lot of data that says that it really impacts things. Uh, I don't think that peer reviewed literature has really gone down that rabbit hole yet, but I also think that like, stress is extremely subjective it's very hard to objectify in like a a peer-reviewed literature piece right how how do you perceive stress versus how i perceive stress is completely different um and and so what that internal effect is is probably going to be different um but with empirical data and having worked with so many clients i can tell you that when stress levels are high nothing is good like nothing uh from digestion to physical results to you know, biofeedback inside of energy and sex drive and mood and all of these things, they instantly take an, you know, they instantly get their, uh, they get fucked up. Yeah. 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 I mean, I just like from my story, um, you know, I started competing in CrossFit probably what, five years ago now, probably, um, from a rugby league background. We, we, that's how we kind of make, we play rugby league together. But, um, and then, yeah, that five years ago, I started CrossFit and obviously paleo, you know, it was a huge thing. This is how I connected with you is, you know, I, I instantly started paleo. Um, 
And, you know, because that's what your CrossFit gym told you, right? hundred percent. And that five years ago, that was the big thing, you know, paleo, I think it's probably moving away from that now, but paleo was the big thing attached to to CrossFit. And and I never really sort of, you know, I say I, I ate clean, but I never really kind of dove into diets before this, you know, and then, I started paleo and, you know, like you've said before, in that first six months, you can get away with still hitting PRs and whatever else with CrossFit because your body's adapting to it. And so I was still in that, you know. And then four years down the track now, this last year, and, you know, Mel can be fucked. I have been fucked. Like I did the CrossFit Opens last year and a couple of weeks after that, I honestly felt like I was going to die. I was I was totally fucking screwed. I just didn't want to get up in the morning to coach. I, mean, I just throughout the day I just wanted to sleep. I had no energy. Testosterone, sex drive, minimal. Um, basically, all those things that will come with the whole adrenal fatigue. That's you know, or dysfunction, HPA dysfunction. But um, and that's why, yeah. And then so this to this day, I'm still trying to recover, and I, I feel like how, it's from how long has that been? Um, look, I have improved, but like I said, it's probably been a year of just on and off symptoms. Like I had bad symptoms, heart palpitations, sweating. I've been, I've had two or three blood tests now. Um, my last blood test. Let me ask you this. And like, as somebody, cause I feel like you and I relate a lot to this and yeah, I feel like yeah. you'll be able to, to hear what I'm saying because this isn't discussed in science, I right? Know. But I I genuinely believe this exists in real life application. So here I am like four years removed, three uh, three to four years removed from like the deepest parts of like my HPA axis dysfunction, right? Uh, Probably closer to five years, right? And if you told me today, I got to go back to CrossFit and I need to do five classes this week, I could do it. But within two weeks, I'd be tanked. Yeah, yeah. I would go in on, I'd go in tomorrow. And I would probably fucking do really, really well, right? Which is crazy because I haven't trained CrossFit in two months, but because my nervous system would be pretty fresh. Yeah. But within a week or two, my nervous system has adapted so much to that stress that it's going to remember what it was like when I fucked myself up so bad that it's going to shut itself down. Yeah. I, I, I can... That's something that you feel anytime you really ramp up volume and intensity you instantly go back into that place. Not because you aren't doing the right things because your nutrition is probably way better now and your recovery is probably way better now, yet your body still goes back to that place. Do you, I call that nervous system adaptation. Yeah. But yeah. it's not a real thing, but that's what I've made it. No, and I, I'm totally, I totally believe in that. I mean, I've just done the, the recent opens and I wasn't even going to do it because, like I said, I've, I've, you know, I've been fucked the last year, but I just jumped in for a bit of fun with the members I only hit it once where previous years I'd, you know, I'd hit it twice trying to really yeah. change that leaderboard. Um, and to be honest, bro, like the same thing. I, I just, I didn't have that second, that second level I could really tap into it opposed to previous years. It was just that one, that one level and that was it. Um, and yeah, so I can relate with that. I just, I don't have that extra push to really tap into opposed to previous years when I really had that. Um, that's probably, that's probably exactly what you sort of just saying. Yeah. I, I really just believe that your body puts this like artificial governor on itself. Right. Yeah. I think that like your body is like, if I exceed this threshold for this long, I will go back to the state that I was once in. Once in yeah. yeah. Does that mean you, you do believe Jason that he could slowly ramp up his intensity throughout the whole year 
And then when he gets to CrossFit, I, I don't think there's any amount of accumulation work he could ever do to get back to where he was. Back, yeah, yeah. I I believe that his body, like, there's, it would take such impeccable timing for him to truly peak. And not saying it can't be done, but it, the precision would have to be so ridiculous, mm. right? And and I can give you a really good example. Um, do you remember Mike McGoldrick, CrossFit Games athlete? Yeah, yeah, yeah. perfect example, right? McG went to the games, bro. When he went to the games, he was fucked, right? Like three training three times a day. I saw his training. I saw his nutrition as shit. The next year he got like 22nd at regionals and he's never made it back ever since because every time he starts to hit that threshold of training volume and intensity, his body goes right back out on it. And I've, I've watched it time and time again. So many high level crossfitters that are in the same boat, um, you know, I don't want to make it like a name calling competition, but I could think of tons that we could talk about after this. It's same thing. So yeah. I, I think that like once you visited that well, you're you're done. Okay, so I'm gonna open a can of worms here. My thing, I think CrossFitters are probably the best or well-rounded athletes um, out there in terms of everything. But the thing is with Luke is Luke is natural. Luke isn't on I, I don't know how much this plays a part of recovery and you know, steroids or things like that. Can you give me your opinion on that kind of stuff? Like, is that these high-level athletes? So I've been doing CrossFit. You've got to be on the gear. You've got to be on something. You've got to be – I, I can tell you, especially with CrossFit's new format, I don't believe it's possible to compete at the highest levels without some additional recovery. I'm like, 100%. Yeah. And that's I, what I've been doing the whole time. That's I, what I've been doing the whole time. Especially I'm, now, right? Like, like, last year and the years prior to 2019, you might be able to get away with it. And, like – and here's the deal, right? And this is the fucked up part. I've worked with a lot of CrossFit Games athletes. And I, to my, like, and this is 100% fact, like, you know, like, you guys know me. I don't, I don't yeah. fuck around. Like, I, to my knowledge, do not know that any of my athletes have ever used drugs. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Right? And I ask my athletes on the front end, if you're going to use, I need to know for two reasons. One, it changes the way I program your nutrition because different drugs have different effects internally. Um, and number two, my reputation's on the line. So yeah. I need to know what the fuck you're doing it because whether or not I told you to take it, people are going to assume that I told you to take it. It's a taboo right? subject too because people are assuming. Remember that picture of phoning out the pool as three guys? Phoning, yeah. yeah. Hulk, and Bailey. I was like, you fucking, you guys <laughs> look like bodybuilders right now in that pool, like low little bodybuilders. And don't tell me like, and this is the stuff to like, so many people out there like, you know, Luke started this and like a lot of young people start costing these guys and how how hard they're training their athletes. And mate, your joints, like, you know, it's, it's fucked you. It's like, mate, like, it's like, these guys, it's like, it's, it's like bodybuilding almost. So it's a taboo subject. Like, we all know you guys are taking something, but the, because the Reebok game, it's not like a, 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 a massive sport now, CrossFit, but when it first started, it's like, it's like a fun thing. But there's prize money and sponsorships. and I just think you have to look at like the level of like, – like the rate of adaptation is just so fast. And yeah. Yeah. I, I get that these athletes are young and resilient. I really do. Um, and, and I've worked with some very talented and resilient people. But I can also tell you like – you know, I say none of my games competitors have used. I know some of my master's athletes have used because they came to me and they told me. And I watched the performance enhancing benefits work. Like they're coming to me saying, Hey, I'm going to take growth hormone. Hey, I'm going to take peptides, you know? Okay. Like more power to you. Like, by the way, 
I'm putting an email to you that I don't condone this so that if you ever get popped and people try to pin it on me, I have this shit in email. Like, I, I've never advocated drug use. First of all, there's not enough money in CrossFit to be on drugs. Like, there's not, like, we don't know what the effects of drugs are, good, bad, or otherwise. So if you're really putting your life on the line for something that might pay you $10,000, like, that's on you and, and more power to you. Like, I have respect for you for going after what you want. But I also think it's extremely, like, immature and irresponsible. Yeah. Uh, that's just a whole different conversation. Yeah, exactly. So, exactly. Yeah. There's so many things that sort of – I'm sorry. To go back to your question, do I think a lot of the athletes are using – I think a larger majority than the naive public wants to believe are using. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. no, I agree with that. Well, it's like these, like these fitnesses, it's like well, they're up, chasing after that money and sponsorships, I guess. It's like well, – that, that, That's only if you make the CrossFit Games and then only – I, I can tell you as somebody that's owned a supplement company, you know, when I owned Mission 6, we signed Sarah Sigmund's daughter on a $60,000 yeah. contract, right? At that time, that was one of the largest contracts in the space. Yeah, well. Mind you, sixty grand, not that much money, right? It, I mean, there's a lot of people that love to make sixty grand, but there's a lot of people that are like sixty grand, like that's it. And, you know, people are thinking Sarah Sigmund's daughter is worth a hundred grand. And, you know... So she was, and she was tops, right? Like she was picked to win the games that year. So you're not ever going to make that much money to be continuously using PEDs. Mm, Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah. Interesting one. It's a, it's a deep rabbit hole because I, I got a lot like that I feel like on that yeah. subject. Yeah. You got to remember who CrossFit uses for their drug testing as well, right? Well, and Independent, isn't it? It's, uh, I believe it's an organization, but yeah. they send the results to CrossFit and CrossFit is the one that determines who releases the results. Yeah. And so I, I've heard stories through the grapevine oh. of some people getting popped and like not having to confess to it and, mm-hmm. you know, doing something behind the scenes or dropping out a competition. And then there's other stories where certain people were targeted, they failed a drug test and CrossFit smeared their name. Like, yeah. Yeah. I can't validate or deny it, but if that's even like a you know a piece of conversation, like what does that say about the sport? sport yeah, no, I've, I've kind of heard the same thing. Yeah. yeah, we won't like, really dive into it too much, but yeah, I heard that about Ricky last year. Um, yeah, and that's a bummer, man, because I really liked him. Yeah, yeah, he's he's a phenomenal athlete, but um, so but I mean, I mean, going back to the whole nutrition side of it with the CrossFit, I mean, what would be your advice? for people who are, uh, you know, newbies to CrossFit um, as far as their nutrition side of things, you know, because the single hardest thing, but the most important thing is people have to start, they have to start separating cosmetics and performance. Performance, Yeah. You have to know why, why are you in a CrossFit gym to begin with? Right. And, and really this, this expands outside of CrossFit, but it's most important in CrossFit is why are you training in the first place? Like, are you trying to look better? Are you trying to perform better? Are you trying to feel better? Or, you know, what is it? Like, where does that fit in your life? And, and if you're intentionally trying to, if you're trying to look better and trying to lose fat, you then have to understand what you're doing. Like, you're in a calorie deficit. So you can't take the most intense training modality known to man and pair that with a calorie deficit and expect great things to happen. Yeah. It, but again, like you said, you look at Rich Froning at the pool with Dan Bailey and some of these other guys and you're like, well, I can look like that if I do CrossFit. Well, no, like you're not rich throning. So 
I, I really believe that if people could start to wrap their head around that, then you'd start to see more success than the horror stories that you hear now. Yeah. I think the whole industry, so the whole industry thing, not just necessarily just CrossFit, but um, everything, isn't it really? Oh. Everything, mate. Like I have to say, I was like, oh, these- we call it the triangle of awareness, right? A nutritional coaching institute, we call it the triangle of awareness. Where are your goals inside of performance, aesthetics, or longevity? Yeah. And once you understand that, then you can actually build out context for your training and nutrition. And and I, I have one rule inside of everything I do, and that's context is king, right? We could sit here and say keto is a good diet. Well, it is a good diet, but for what? We could also sit here and say keto is a shit diet. It is a shit diet, but for what, right? Mm-hmm. We can talk about all like bench press is great. Well, it is great for some things. Yeah. Bench press yeah especially for someone with a shoulder injury, right? We can make blanket statements, but until there's context, the statements have no value. Yeah. It's always, it depends. That's what Bass says. It depends. That's his biggest thing. my two favorite words, him and I are going to get along great. It depends. <laughs> it depends. Yeah. yeah. I, I have few, I have like, I tell everyone at NCI, like, what are my two favorite words? And everyone's like, well, it depends. And I'm like, well, that and fuck you. But like, fuck those are my, always my favorite words. <laughs> That's the best one. Uh, so, yeah, That's so good. Always comes back to your goals, doesn't it? It does, right? And it comes back to you. Like, like this goes back to like the self help conversation prior to nutrition conversation. It comes back to you being the best version of you. What the fuck do you even want? Yeah, yeah. every single person that's listening to this podcast right now should stop, get out a pen and piece of paper, and write down what they want. What they want. And the fucked up part is they're gonna stare at that piece of paper for ten minutes trying to figure out what the fuck they want. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's your reverse engineer, don't you? Once you know that you're a reverse engineer, that and what it takes, that's it. It's yeah. reverse engineering success. Success is always reverse engineered. Yeah. 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 100%, mate. Is there, there's something that you'd like that you reckon most people forget um, in their journeys and you know, to better themselves physically and mentally? Is there one thing you, know, you find that the biggest struggle most people have ever had? I think most people forget where they came from. I think that. Like we, we think that the journey is all about this like end destination and we romanticize what this destination is going to look and feel like. And so we, like we continue to move and move and move towards it. But the truth is like, you forget how far you've actually come because all you're focused on is the shit in the future. And when you never celebrate success, you're basically just continuing to remind yourself of your inadequacies. And like, that's no way to live. Like, you guys have done a lot of phenomenal shit in your lives, but you probably don't celebrate it nearly as much as you should. I, I literally had this call three hours ago with one of my coaching clients. And I was like, your goal this week, dude, this chick started a, a nutrition coaching business three months ago and she's already got 45 clients. Wow. Right. And, and I said, your goal is because there's some systems and structure we need to build into our business. But like I said, your goal this week is also to remind yourself how amazing what you've done is. Like inside of 90 days, you're now impacting 45 lives. That is special in and of itself. Yeah. So I I think that's really the biggest mistake, man. I think, you know, people want shit too fast, but more importantly, they forget where they came from. They forget the success that they have created. And and if you've created any success in your life, you have the power to create more success. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Very true. Belief, isn't it? That's it. Like it really is. I think that, Everybody wants to be, everyone wants it to be super sexy, right? Everyone wants it to be like, I have this secret tip or yeah, you know, you yeah. have this secret tip. And 
And then like we make these statements and we're like, well, it's about believing in yourself. And people are like, God, they suck. Like they got yeah, it's like, oh, come on. You go and you ask like Grant Cardone or Warren Buffett or any of these like, you know, Garrett White or the top performers in the world, you ask them and they're gonna say the same shit we're saying. And people are looking for the sexy solutions because they want it to be something that they don't currently have, right? They want something to blame. Yeah, but exactly right. Themselves, exactly right. It's compounding. Yeah. If we tell you it's self-awareness, now all of a sudden you don't have something to blame. Yeah. And you're like, fuck, I need to take that on myself. Well, yeah, you do. Because yeah, once it's your fault, you can only change it. That's the thing. Once it's That's your it. fault. People hate that. So Will Smith, you're blame yourself. Everything's your fault. Yeah, it's all your yeah, fault. I, that's that's the one message I've been getting across to all my clients, nutrition and business lately, is all of your successes are your fault. All of your failures are your fault. And when you can look in the mirror and take all of that on and say, this is why I've created success or this is why I'm experiencing failure, dude, it's so powerful. Definitely, man. Yeah, yeah. Coming back to nutrition, Jace. Um, Obviously, you know, you're a big macro, big macro guy. Um, have you come across people who are just not willing to track their macros and how do you yeah. go around that? So I look at, I, I look at nutrition as like a, a mountain, right? And, and so if we were to like, we use Everest as an example, not everybody is ever going to want to summit Everest. I have no desire to summit Everest, yeah. but undeniably there are practices at the summit of Everest that you must obey if you want to summit the most elite mountain in the world, like we can agree on that. Right. And so if you want to reach the pinnacle of success in your life, be it performance, aesthetics, or otherwise, undoubtedly you have to use macros because we know that quantity is king inside of those things. That being said, if you're not looking for the pinnacle of of your results and you want 70% of your results, then you don't need to implement the strategies that are reserved for those trying to achieve the pinnacle so that we don't have to macro. Right. Conversely, when you summit Everest, you don't stay at the summit forever. A Sherpa brings you down off of there. So when you're taking somebody into the pinnacle of their success, you also better be prepared to help them exit and help them transition into something that may be more sustainable. Uh, So again, it all comes back to the whole, like, you know, it depends. Well, what are your goal sets? Who are you? What are you willing to do? And let's meet in the middle. As a coach, my job is not to have one base of tactics. My job is to understand you what you're willing to implement and, and work inside of that. Because if I tell you to implement something that you're not fundamentally willing to implement, then we're both fucked. Yeah. 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 So do you, do you revert back to more of like a, just a portion control thing and then hitting daily targets? I mean, that's what I, um, I've been doing a precision nutrition coaching course. That's, um, Sorry to hear that. <laughs> Bro, I started before you released NCI, so you can't blame me, but, um, yeah, anyway, so, um, but obviously they're, you know, they're big, quite big on just more portion control. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, they're, yeah, they're very habit-based. And I think yeah. that the one thing I like about their approach is you really, the, you really can build momentum for a client. And I, I think that it comes down to building momentum. I think most people don't want to track macros because they've failed at so many things that tracking macros becomes very laborious. And what I've seen in the trenches is if you can create success for somebody and demonstrate that they can become compliant to something be it habit-based portion control, you know, whatever else, all of a sudden they're willing to try something new, which might even be tracking calories and protein, which then might be tracking all of the macros, right? 
And, and so I, I think it's just understanding you can't take somebody from zero to a hundred. You know, if, if Mrs. Jones is 300 pounds and she's never tracked a, a calorie or a food any day in her life, and she yeah. thinks that like French fries are a carb source, then we have to fundamentally just get her to make better choices. Like she's not a candidate for macros right away. Yeah. yeah, you know? yeah. Yeah. It's just putting more, it's putting more tools in your toolbox. Yeah, and knowing 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 who you're working with, I guess, isn't it? All comes back to that. Understand having that having well, that. It, but let's talk about that too, because that at its highest level also holds true, right? Like you guys know, I work with some UFC fighters, right? Yeah. And so most recently, we had Luke Sanders. He knocked out Head and Burrell, and Luke will never count a macro a day in his life. I will never get him to count macros, and so I write his meal plans for him. Starting at 60 days out, I write a meal plan for him every day for 60 days. And it's based on recovery. Like, I would love if he would fucking get his shit together and track macros because I wouldn't have to sit down every morning and write a meal plan. But I also know he's not willing to do it. And I know that if we're going to be successful together, there has to be precision. So it's understanding the willingness of my clients as well as it is anything else. Yeah, okay, yeah. Is that more so because some people respond better being told what to do? Like, he's like, I just want to be told what to do. He just doesn't want to think. And I get it, right? Like, you got to think fundamentally. He came to me, just to give you a really good example, he had to make weight at 136, right? He came to me at 168 before the last camp. So we had to lose 32 pounds in eight weeks. So you have to lose 32 pounds and maintain super high levels of performance because the guy across from you is trying to kill you. Yeah. So that's uh I don't think it's that he's that he just doesn't want to think. It's just he wants to reduce any variable he can. Have you heard of a guy called Godly Strong from Australia? He worked with Sebastian Godly Strong. I'll tell you looking him up. So he's probably now 145 kilos. He's fighting in a couple of weeks' time. He wants to go to the UFC. So he's top ten strongest man ever. Um, he's about 25 years old. He's you should see him. He's um Joe Rogan's followed him. He's, he's what's his name? The Goldie Strong. Look at now. Goldie Strong. Godly. Godly. Godly Strong. Godly Strong. So he's probably he's the strongest man on earth. But he's trying to become a UFC fighter. He's very close. Got him, Alex Simon. Yes, he's Aussie. He's about 24, 25 years old. So he needs to cut weight at the moment um, to make to get into the UFC. What does uh, he have to get to? Well, he's really at 125 in the heavyweight UFC. He's one of the most normal athletes ever seen in your life, mate. He's a strong... He's- <laughs> I'll, make it. I'll get him on weight. Yeah, 100%. I'm, I'm going to try and connect you both because he needs, he's an athlete. He just needs to get down to, um, yeah. get down to weight. I'll try and... He's- People are fucking up weight cuts in the UFC. It's ridiculous. Like That's something that drives me nuts he, right he's now. A big bo- the thing is, he's just a huge, huge guy. To get under 125, it's, you know, he'll get down there. He'll have to lose a heavy muscle as well. Yeah, well, I think, yeah. 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 He's only about six three six six three six two. The beauty of it is the beauty of the UFC is you get thirty six hours to rehydrate, right? So at that level, you're talking like they want you within ten percent, right? We realistically could cut twenty plus pounds. Yeah. So you know, ten kilos the final week. Yeah, yeah. I'll make sure I can you both too. Would love that, man. I'd love to help him. I, I mean, I I love seeing phenomenal talent. Like whether I'm a part of it or not, obviously I love to be a part of it, but. I love seeing phenomenally talented human beings just express themselves. Like the expression of greatness is just something fun to watch. It's scary. Go watch your stuff. It's very, very scary. I'm going to watch them after this. Very, very scary. 
Yeah, just strong fucker. Um, yeah. Anything else to tap on with nutrition was? My nutritional, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good. I, I sort of ask you, you know, with your experience and stuff, who's an athlete you would go that's highly underrated? You go, mate, they are so fucking special and that is like they deserve more credit or they not say they deserve more credit. It's like they're underrated. You know, I look to see some people, um, someone you've worked with or you've seen. Like in, in, like in any sport? Any sport, any sport. This is a straight fucking beast. Who's a beast? You go, these guys are beast. That's a really good question. Um, I think it just depends on like, how do you want to quantify like the expression of that? Right. I, I think that like we could make it, we could, you know, sit here and say Tiger Woods yeah. today, you know, prove that he's a beast because like people don't understand. And, and, and I'll probably, I'll probably get flamed for saying that on this podcast and that's okay. Like, but you, you don't understand the amount of torque and the amount of torsion produced inside of a golf swing. And then you're looking at that at elite levels and elite speeds, right? We're talking club head speeds, 120 plus miles an hour. Yeah. And, and he's doing that with a fused back. Yeah. Like, what does that tell you about the muscles that support his erectors? Yeah. And it's just like, so I, I look at that, but then I look at somebody like base, right? Like, and I'm like, or like I'm like this motherfucker. And then I look at Steffi Cohen, strongest person in the world. Like uh, they're the expression. Like, that's what I said. Like prior, the expression of athleticism to me is so fascinating. I have a, I have a client that just won the world long drive championships in Phoenix this weekend. Like the qualifier, he also did like a box jump. that was like 60 inches. Like yeah, yeah. It, it, that's so dope to me that like the guy hits golf balls for a living and he can go and jump 60 inches. Like <laughs> I, yeah. You know, and then I look at like the Olympic lifters. I couldn't begin to tell you any of their names, but I watch these like, like these tiny little Asian fuckers, oh, yeah. and and they're just lifting like they're clean and jerking like four hundred pounds. Yeah, like uh, it it always amazes me. Maybe because I'm just so non-athletic, I don't know. But like I, I'm always in amazement, man. I just it maybe it's just talent respecting talent. Yeah, no, hundred percent, mate. Oh, yeah, there's, there's some people you sort of like Steffi Cohen. That's as as pure strength. You look at her, mind blowing to me. That's well, mate. She like really is a strong. Like Thor's the strongest man in the world, and Bass trains already helps train trains Thor. Yeah, you know, strongest man in the world. But yep. to me, Steffi actually is like the strongest person in the world. Like Thor's close to two hundred kilograms. Whatever he lifts is still mate, like, amazing. Blind on, but. Steffi's a she's fifty five kilos. She like she's tiny, mate. Like, do what she does. Most men, big men, I can't. Mate, I bear. I will barely get to what she lifts. You know, she's she's a, she's a freak. It's impressive. Um, it really is. And I, I mean, it's we have to respect it, and it's it's cool to be growing up in this era where that's appreciated. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, who do you think spreading as far as nutrition on the online space? Um, who do you think apart, apart, apart from yourself, obviously, spreading the right message? I mean, there's a lot of, you know, you, there's some big names out there now. Those, you know, Tony Stefan. Um, yeah, well, Stan Efferen's another big Tony. one who's kind of, um, you know, I, I believe he's putting out some good stuff. But um, as far as I, I like, I like Stan. I so ironically, somebody just brought his attention to me. Like, like I didn't even know what the vertical diet was. I, I kept hearing it, but yeah. I fundamentally, it sounds like I align with him on principles and I know we're getting ready to record some stuff. So 
I'm excited for that. Yeah. Um, you know what? I have a, I have a lot of respect for everybody. Uh, I really do. And, and like, you'll rarely hear me call out like people and say like their shit, like even, even the people I dislike, I still have respect fundamentally for what they're trying to bring. Yeah. And I'll, I'll say this, like without giving specific names, um, I think Eric Helms is the single best researcher in the game. Um, and I think that like, because he's doing research, it's allowing us to move forward. Yeah. Uh, I think he's awesome. Uh, I think <clears throat> Lane Norton's still phenomenally talented. Um, yeah. You know, I, he's like Lane comes across as like very harsh. So I think that he's, he's just he's calling out people like says what he thinks. Oh, he's, a little, oh. he's ripping on the YouTube. He's everybody, <laughs> everyone. Like, it's it's yeah. so he, uh, he gets a bad rap for that, but I think that he like from a knowledge perspective, he's really yeah. hard to do. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I, I think anyone that's trying to put information out without a hidden sales agenda is, Alan, is Alan uh, Aragon's probably another one. Yeah. What's that? Alan Aragon. Yeah. I, I have a lot of respect for Alan, man. I think he's super intelligent. Um, I, you know, I think Martin's really intelligent as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think that Dan Garner seemed, I, I haven't read a lot of Dan stuff, but he's getting a lot of love right now publicly. So I, I mean, I, I know the, the caliber of people that are speaking highly of him. So it instantly builds credibility for me. Yeah. Uh, but you know, again, anyone that's doing it without an agenda, man, like I, I think that there's, there's a movement right now of people that really want to see success and, and they want to see success purely because they want to see success, not because of any financial gain on the backside. Those are the people that I love, like, because yeah. that's where I was five years ago, man. Like, and that's where I still am today. Like, do I make a great living for what I do? Of course I do. I would never refute it, but I, I still like right now it's, it's nine 30 at night here. You know, I'm doing this purely out of passion. Like I fucking love this. And I feel like I literally want to get off this and like get on a plane and just come stay in Australia for a month and hang with you guys. Like we're going to make it happen. I literally feel like this week we'll fucking plan it out. I mean, that's yeah, just, you know. yeah. You know what I mean? But that's, that's so dope. Like, look at the fucking world we live in, man. Like, you guys must have on Instagram. Like, we make this happen, and it's like, yeah, that, like fucking, like we're so blessed. Yeah, yeah. We're the best gym in Australia. Well, I work at Kingdom Gym. Luke trains down there, sort of at the Kingdom Gym, Brookvale. Yeah. And Mason, he'd love to. This gym is American. It's a huge, huge space, about fifteen hundred square meters. Amazing. Mate, probably the best gym in Sydney. Amazing, amazing. Yeah, just uh, dude, I just want to come and add some value and hang out and have yeah. fun and like I'm just try and come try, man. Come try with us and go for I, 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 What I'd love to do is bring NCI out there. Like we've uh, never gone international. I'd love to bring NCI there, and I know there's a I know there's a desire for education out there. I'd love to do that. Hugely, hugely, hugely. Yeah. yeah, I think the biggest thing I think with nutrition is like there's so much information. Like you want to get the, the the macro, the biggest information to help you the most. You know, the important stuff. That's what I find. I from nutrition is so much information. I think there. everyone tries to complicate it yeah. personally to like, Oh dude. Yeah. It. Yeah. Just it. It's so much simpler than people want it to be. Yeah. And it really is. And that's, like, that's the issue that I think is, you know, causing people to go down these fucking rabbit holes. And, yeah. and like, we can blame that on the internet, right? Like, because people are trying to make buck, right? People are trying to, to build these crazy schemes and, and make these products and sell them to make a profit. And, like I, I get it, I get the desire to make money, but at the end of the day, like let's sell people what they actually need and, and let's be responsible. Hundred percent, mate. Yes. There's no one size fits all. That's nah, it, definitely. Well, mate. 
Um, we've taken up a lot of your time. Uh, you've been an absolute pleasure to have you, mate. Best first guest that we've ever had. I will have a chat to you off the air in a second. Yeah. But, um, mate, it's been, thank you so much pleasure. for coming pleasure, on. Jess. It's you know it speaks volumes of yourself because we we follow you we we see what you put out there and come and spend time on a Sunday evening at nine thirty night speaks volumes well, of the person you are mate and we mean that. There's nowhere else I want to be. I mean, really, like honestly, I'm humbled every opportunity I get and, and just uh, just excited more more excited for what you guys are doing, right? Like, I, I mean, I'm blessed for the opportunity for sure, but it's always really exciting for me to see really high quality people doing this for the right reasons and, and putting out quality information because it's impacted them first. Um, so just continue to do this, man. Like, and that's the, that's the single greatest way you guys will, will pay it forward and to your listeners, like listen to everything that they say and, and then go out and pay it forward yourselves. And I, I think if we all commit to that, it's going to be a really good place to live in in the next you know decade or so. Awesome. Yeah. Mm. Love it. Thanks, Chase. You got it, man. Thanks, mate. Cheers, bye. Bye.